0: heights to the depths of the
1: sea this Jehoram is not the son of Ahaziah he's actually a brother and so notice what it says in 2nd Kings 1 verse 17 so Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken because he had no son or because he had no son Jehoram became king in his place
0: Glacier Gl- Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Today our scripture says, Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel. Jehoram came from a family that was far beyond dysfunctional. His father Ahab was one of the worst kings the northern kingdom of Israel ever knew, and his mother Jezebel was certainly the worst queen Israel ever knew. Although Jehoram was better than his father and mother, he was still a wicked man. He was the ninth consecutive bad king over the northern kingdom, which never had a godly king. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins our study in chapter 3 in the book of 2 Kings.
1: Let's open our Bibles to uh, 2 Kings chapter 3. We're going to look at that tonight. Last week we looked at uh, this really amazing chapter in 2 Kings chapter 2 where Elijah ascends to heaven and... What an interesting thing that was, just to i mean you think about this has never really happened before, especially in such a dramatic fashion. I mean, how many people i mean i don 't know the bible doesn 't tell us when Enoch was translated. the Bible tells us in in Genesis, I believe it was chapter five that God translated enoch and uh, and that was quite a mystery there 's nothing more than that <laughs> and then we we hear about certainly the mystery surrounding Moses' body when he died there um, on the eastern side of the Jordan River on a mountain, and his body was never found, and there was something about the contesting of his body with the devil, and, you know, Michael the archangel contesting with him about the his body, and and, and, and then we see this event in the life of Elijah where Uh, people see, and certainly Elisha, Elijah's protege, literally saw him taken up into heaven. Uh, The chariots of fire and horses parted the two of them, and then it says that a whirlwind just came and took Elijah up in quite a dramatic fashion. And if you remember last week, we looked at just the, the bittersweet kind of relationship that Elijah and Elisha must have had. And the difficulty it was for Elisha to see his master go and and to have learned from him, to have certainly modeled his life and, and certainly respecting him the way he did. He was like a father, I'm sure, to Elisha. And then to see him go and we looked at just the the difficulty in life because we find this kind of thing even in the corporate world where there is a CEO or somebody who started a movement or a foundation or a corporation and then that person either dies unexpectedly or they get old and they pass the baton to someone else. And that passing of the baton can either go smoothly or it can be a catastrophe. And, And there are instances like that in the world and there are certainly instances like that in the church. But God, again, wants these transitions to go well, to, for there to be a seamless transition. And we saw that with Pastor Jeff when he left and myself. It was a very uh, gentle sort of transition. It went a little quicker than we all thought, but nonetheless, there was a preparation, and, and I didn't even know it at the time, but God had ordered all of these things. And I didn't even know it until I was in the middle of it. I'm like, how did we get here? <laughs> and how, what are you going to do from here, Lord? and but he works like that and everything went peaceably and so this evening we're going to be looking at chapter 3 because now that the baton has been passed from Elijah to Elisha we're going to see the life of Elisha in the in the next uh, several chapters up until about chapter 9 verse 1 is the last we're going to hear of Elisha and his ministry until we learn of his death in the 13th chapter. The Bible doesn't tell us how he died or what he was sick of, but he does die in chapter 13. We'll get to that, but we're going to be looking at some things that have happened in the life of Israel and then uh, certainly looking at how this prophet um, his ministry during the lives of these kings that we're going to look at tonight. So I thought we would just take a quick read of chapter 3. There's only uh, uh, 27 verses, so it'll go pretty quickly, and then we'll go back and take a look at it. So let's read from chapter 3 of Second Kings, beginning in verse 1. Now it says, Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother. For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Now Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder, and he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And so King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. And then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And then he said, "'Which way shall we go up?' And he answered, "'By the way of the wilderness of Edom.' And so the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, "'Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab.'" But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat is here who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And then Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you, but now bring me a musician. And then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by the way of Edom and the land was filled with water. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered, and they stood at the border. And then they rose up early in the morning, and the sun was shining on the water, and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red as blood, and they said, This is blood. The kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now therefore, Moab, to the spoil... So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up and attacked the Moabites so that they fled before them, and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Then they destroyed the cities, and each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it. And they stopped up all the springs of water and cut down all the good trees. But they left the stones of kir, uh, kir Haraseth intact. However, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. And when the king of Moab saw that the battle was too fierce for him, he took with him 700 men who drew swords to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. And then he offered his eldest son, who would have reigned in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering upon the wall. And there was great indignation against Israel. And so they departed from him and returned to their own land. Uh, Pretty interesting Event here in the life of Israel, and certainly in the life of Judah, and it makes you wonder what would, why would Ju, uh, Judah and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, what is he doing, allying himself or allying himself with this pagan king from the north? And you know, I think that there's something in this for us to be very careful, and we're going to look at this a little more further as we get into it, but. Where is your allegiance? Who do you hang out with? Who do you ally yourself with? Do you ally yourself with the world and the things of the world, the current things that are happening in the world that everybody has a warm fuzzy about? Is, is, is it something that you are okay with? Have you consulted with the Lord on these things? Do these things that you're allying yourself with, do they match up to the revealed will of God? Do you know the will of God? Have you read the entire Bible? I would encourage you, if you haven't read the entire Bible, you need to do that on, as quickly as you can. I would encourage you in your normal study of the Word to read you know, read through large portions of it as much as you can and get through the Bible at least once in a year. It's possible to do. It's going to take some diligence. And do that. And every year, try to read through it at least once. And then take time and pick and, and, and spend time in other areas and study them. Because we need to get the word of God into us. We need to hear all of it. Because in all of the word of God, you're going to hear all the counsel of God. You're going to understand how God moves the things that he does. How he does them. You're going to learn doctrine. You're going to learn what the Bible teaches about God's character. And you're also going to learn a lot about yourself in the process. And it's important for that to happen. I need to know who I really am. Because apart from Christ, I really don't know who I am. I never did know who I was. If you knew me before Christ, you would just say, scoundrel. <laughs> Sad case. That's what you would say to me. And you may, maybe you say that now, but you know I know that God is doing something, and he's changed my life, changed my heart, put me on a different trajectory of my life that I never sought for myself. That's, that can only be God. But be encouraged. But be encouraged. And so what was he doing? What was he doing? What was he thinking? Hadn't he learned a lesson? And we're going to look at that as well. But it's a slippery rope, isn't it? It's a slippery road to be on when you try to appease man and you disobey God. Wouldn't it be better to obey God and disobey man? Everybody nod their heads because in theory you know that that's true. But the hard thing is, is when you're in the midst of it, when you're in the thick of it, of your life, you're going to have to make decisions. Am I going to follow what I know is true to the word of God or am I just going to be a yes man and be around the people that I really admire? Even in the church, there's people even in the church that you may look up to and be careful because if they're not following the Lord, then don't follow them. And if they are following the Lord, then follow them. But follow them as they follow Christ. You don't follow any one man. Follow Jesus Christ. Don't follow any pastor, regardless of whether he's got a TV program or a radio program or he's selling books. It doesn't matter because we are all fallible. And believe me, there is a great deception, great deceptions in the world today. And I think they're even greater on the people of God because the devil already has the world in his hand. But now what he's going for is the high value targets in the church. And you'll notice that he goes after the big shots, the guys of the mega churches, the guy who sells the billions of books, the guy who's on the face of every cover of every Christian magazine. He's going and Christian musicians, he's going after all of them, and if they're not careful, they are going to fall into compromise. And many have. And so how important is it to take like the Bible says? You know, with all, with all diligence, look at your heart, for from it comes forth the issues of life. Search your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart, guard it with all diligence. For our enemy, Satan, is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour He loves to devour unbelievers, but he loves Christians. They taste the best to him because he can ruin their lives. He can ruin their influence. And everybody who's following the superstar all of a sudden gets discouraged and they fall away from the faith. Or they no longer seek the Lord anymore because all of their hope, all of their the stars in their eyes weren't Jesus Christ. The stars in their eyes was everything that this man said. They waited like bated breath for the man to speak and like an oracle of God, they they bowed down to him, maybe not physically, but they bought all the books and everything he said was gold. But there's really only one thing that I know that is worth noting and that's this. (laughs) It's the word of God, not the word of any man. I don't care if he lives in Rome or not. This is the word of God. Amen? All right. So we got that straight? <laughs> okay. So now let's go back to verse 1 here because it's a very interesting thing. Notice, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned 12 years. Now, Jehoram, this is in, this is interesting because normally when a king dies, his kingdom goes to his next son in line. And we know that or Ahaziah was that king. And we've already read about his life, his ministry, or his kingdom, his kingship, or whatever you want, his reign, only lasted one year. And so he died, but he died and he didn't have children. Just go over to your left uh, a page or probably it might even be on the same page on the left of your Bible or you might have to flip the page over, but in Second Kings chapter 1, verse 17, what does it tell us? So this Jehoram is not the son of Ahaziah, he's actually a brother. And so notice what it says in 2 Kings 1 verse 17, so Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah Elijah had spoken, because he had no son, or because he had no son, Jehoram became king in his place. So Jehoram is really the brother of Ahaziah. He's not the son of Ahaziah, he's his his brother, because Ahaziah was only in there for one year, and he, he died, and then those only the next son in line of Ahab was, um, or Ahaz, I'm sorry, was uh, Jehoram. And remember, and then it goes on in the in verse uh, 17 of Second Kings chapter one. It says. That he, that Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Now, one thing that you're going to have a hard time with, and, and I need to tell you this, I think I told you a couple of weeks ago, but when you look at Jehoram, his, his name can also be Joram. Joram, Jehoram, they're basically the same person but their their spelling can be a little different depending on where you look at. But in the northern tribes, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right about the same time, there were two men named Jehoram, and there were also two men named Ahaziah, and they were all within a very short, they overlapped quite a bit. And so as we go through this, pay special attention to which Jehoshaphat, or which um, Ahaziah we're referring to, and which Jehoram we're referring to. Because that will help you get, um, otherwise you will get confused, as I did. And it's very easy to do that. So so Ahab, we know, reigned for 21 years. And then Ahaziah, his son, uh, Ahab being the king of the northern ten tribes. And then Ahaziah ruled for only one year. And then when he died uh, as, uh, by an accident, unexpectedly, uh, his brother, Jehoram, reigned immediately after him. And for about 11 or 12 years. But let's go to verse 2. Notice that this Jehoram, that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not like his father and mother. For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had made. And nevertheless, he persisted in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin. He did not depart from them. Now notice in verse 2 and 3, and I, I love how personal and how honest the Spirit of God is. He doesn't give us a a stellar review of Jehoram, but he's honest about the things that he really did wrong, and he's honest about the things that he was doing right. It didn't really change him too much. I mean, he still died a, a pagan and didn't go to heaven, I'm sure. But God is honest. He says, you know what? He he did evil on the side of the Lord, but he wasn't so wicked. He wasn't as wicked as his father and mother. But here's the deal. How wicked is wicked? How wicked is wicked enough? Do only the really wicked people go to hell? Or is it just the really bad wicked? Or what about the people that aren't as wicked as those wicked people? Maybe there's some kind of, you know, do they, is, can God give me a, a break? No, he doesn't give you a break. There's a whole bunch of people on this spectrum that are evil, really evil, really evil, atomic evil, nuclear evil, completely evil to the core, all of them go to hell. They don't go to heaven. So why flirt like this guy did, Jehoram? He certainly saw his dad and the things that he did wrong. He witnessed firsthand God's judgment upon him, and yet he didn't change at all. I don't know about you, but when I see God working, and especially in derogatory ways against the behavior of some person, I tend to like to listen. I like to watch and say, I don't want to do that. Whatever he did, I want to do the exact opposite. But there's something in this old nature of ours. If we're not born again, we only have this old dead spirit that's at enmity with God. That's why the Bible says you must be born again. You need the spirit of God in you to take that old nature and suppress it and keep it down like the old thing, old ugly thing that it is. And only the spirit of God can do that. And you, Christians, we have the ability, and this is the thing that scares me, is we have the ability, even as spirit-filled, born-again people, to allow these things to creep up. We allow them. We can allow it to come through the cracks because of carelessness, because of a lack of prayer, because of lack of faith, because of a lack of feeding ourselves spiritually, a, a result of, not, of just being careless. We can allow these things to grow up like weeds, and they, their desire is to choke you out. Their desire is to be, is to, you may be saved and you may be bound for heaven, but the devil, he doesn't care about whether you're going to heaven or not. He wants to ruin you. He wants to, he wants to maim you so much that all of a sudden any witness that you might have had has been snuffed out. Yes, you're going to heaven, but You've got no witness. Nobody around you cares to listen to you anymore because you've been saying, do this, do this, do this, follow the Lord, follow the Lord, and all this, and yet you're not following the Lord. Well, why aren't you following the Lord? Why are you getting to the edge? Why are you playing the Russian roulette? And see, this man, Jehoram, had the opportunity to learn, but he did not. And learning is a really good thing. I love to learn. And I learn, I I think, I'm learning to learn quicker from my mistakes. And I pray that you do too. You know, there's nothing wrong with making a mistake. There's nothing wrong with the, I mean, when you make a mistake or even when you fall into sin, it's all, you don't just have to throw in the towel. God's not done with you. No, you confess it as sin and get back on the horse again and continue riding. And if you do something wrong, learn from it so that you don't make that same mistake again. And if you do make the same mistake again, do you throw in the towel? If you make the same mistake again, do you throw in the towel? If you make the same mistake again, do you...
0: Find- That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings.